We're talking about the millennium, okay? The millennial kingdom. And I know people have, at times, you've maybe read something about it, you've taught something, maybe you've sat under some teaching. And you know, we got to this point because we're in Joel 3. So in Joel 3, last week, um, <laughs> if you would, let's go there. Specifically in 16, Joel, 6, Joel 3, uh, verses 16 through 21. So Ray is not here. But Pastor Tom Schieffer is. Pastor Tom is from uh, northern Indiana. Uh, for those that heard about us, we taught through Revive School for two years here. Tom was an integral part of Revive School. Uh, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Your wife, Julie, is here Great as well. Here. Uh, it, it's, it's just kind of yeah. like Revive School 2.0. Yeah. I mean, it's really what it is. I want to just start drawing a couple of things. Now, again, you guys, we've, we've gone over this, but I have finally learned repetition is amazing, especially on the end times. All right, so this just here, uh, let's just say this represents the seven years. Now, halfway through, right, you have the three and a half year period, right? And so overall, this whole thing, again, is called the tribulation. I know you guys are with us. Now, the last three and a half, three years, three and a half years is called the great tribulation. Okay, just so everybody's on the same page. We know this language. And in the, in the great tribulation, at the very end, what do you have? Well, at the very end, you have what we would call the day of the Lord. Now, the problem with this language is that everybody thinks it's just one day. And everybody just thinks all hell is going to break out on the last day in one day, and it's just a clean house, right? I don't think it works like that. I mean, think about this. When you and Joel 3 earlier on, it says all of the nations, right? They're gathering together. Why? Because they're against Jesus and they're against Israel. That's it. America really doesn't have anything to do with that part. It does if we're against Israel. It does if we're against Jerusalem and against Jesus, which is essential why we have to continue to support the efforts of what God is doing with his people. But here you have the day of the Lord. Now, one of the things that you'll see here is that they're going to all come, right? Okay, they're all going to all come to the Jezreel Valley. All of the nations are going to come. This is actually a place in Israel. This is not some fabricated place. It drives me crazy when people say, oh, all of Revelation is just stories and pictures. No, it's actually real. All of the nations are going to gather here, but then here's what happens. Then they begin to march, Tom, where are they marching to? They're marching to Jerusalem. They're marching to Jerusalem. So when you look at this, they meet at the Valley of, of Jezreel. They meet, they meet at the Valley of Megiddo. And then what they're up here, they're coming rich. Let's go to Rich for a second. Rich, they're marching down. How many miles are they marching for, Rich? Well, according to your map, it's about 180 miles. Rich wrote that. That's why I asked him. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they're marching 180 plus miles, right? And here's the crazy thing is that we know that that is recorded because it becomes a bloodbath. All of these nations that are against Israel, the blood is going to go so high, four to, feet, four to five feet tall, and it's just going to flow of blood against Israel. They're going to be wiped out. Okay. I don't want to camp out. We've taught a lot on this. Again, I just, to get a refresher of where we're at and what that kind of looks like. So that's a, that's a long ways, right? Now in Joel 3, if we'll go there, Kevin, Joel 3, uh, Joel 3 verses, uh, can you back up? I know this is Joel 3 verse 16. Uh, my cousin Mindy Oten, by the way, painted this out of Calgary. If you want to look her up, please do. MindyOten.com com.org, O-A-T-E-N. Joel 3, 16 to me is this. The Lord will roar from Zion, Jerusalem, Israel, and raise his voice from Jerusalem. Heaven and earth will shake. 
but the Lord will be a refuge for his people. Now, in the Old Testament language, we're in the book of Joel, the prophet Joel, he's talking about Jews. There's nothing that gets me more fired up when the church takes an Old Testament text and they say, that's me. Do not replace Israel when Israel was never meant to be replaced. Please understand that truth. The Lord says very clearly, the Lord will be a refuge for his people, right? Now remember, we're talking about the millennium. We're going to get into that. That refuge language is important. A stronghold for the Israelites. Okay, now remember, the Lord is going to roar. Kevin, can you go back to Joel 3.16? From Zion. He is, and look at this image, like he's in control, but then there's butterflies, but yet he welcomes his presence. He's a refuge for his folks. So when you get into Joel 3, verse 17, he says, Then you'll know that I am the Lord, your God, who dwells in Zion, my holy mountain. Jerusalem will be holy, and foreigners will never overrun it again. That language is, guess what? Because we've already had the day of the Lord. We've already had the judgment fall on the nations. The foreigners, those that are against Israel, it will never happen again. That's that language of the foreigners will never overrun it, Jerusalem, ever again. Hence, it now leads into and it ushers in the millennium. So what you see here is that the Lord becomes the lion language, the roaring, the refuge. And right here now you have, and I'll, I'll do a separate page, there you have a thousand years. Now last week we talked about the characteristics of uh, the millennial. Now remember, I'm not going to write them down because of time. I'm just going to give you, I mean, I'm going to give you nine bullet points that we talked about last week as everybody gets caught up. Remember, Jesus comes to do the battle of the Armageddon, battle of Armageddon. That's the day of the Lord battle that we're seeing, right? That ushers in that presence. At that point, do you remember what happens to the Antichrist? Tom, do you remember where the Antichrist goes? Uh, doesn't go to Lake of Fire yet. He goes. Uh, he does. He does go to Lake of Fire. He does. That's right. So That's why I'm not Ray. Yeah, this is our second version of Ray. Yeah. I'm just kidding. No, no, Kevin, don't you feel better now? <laughs> that was you last week. It yeah. depends on where you're talking about. So yeah. here's the deal. Maybe I need to clarify. Forgive me. So at the, at the uh, go to Revelation for crying out yeah. loud. Let's just go there. Revelation uh, 19, if you can, let's just clear it up. Revelation 19, 19 through 21. Let's talk about the Antichrist, okay? The Antichrist for seven years is he's deceiving everybody. Everybody's falling for all of his little trickeries. Halfway through the seven years, he declares that he's God. But in Revelation 19, 19, it says, And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and against his army. But the beast was taken prisoner, and along with him, the false prophet. So there's the spirit, right? And then there's the Antichrist, who had performed signs on, the authority, on his authority, by which he deceived those who accepted the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Both of them, the spirit and the Antichrist, were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. This is hell. So right before, okay, right before the thousand years, the Antichrist is removed. He is no longer on the picture. The Antichrist is in hell. Okay? That is there. Okay, now the rest were killed with the sword that came from the mouth of the rider on the horse and all the birds that were filled 
with their flesh. So everybody, the vultures, right? This is that language of them coming to Megiddo, to Valley of Megiddo, and they're eating all of the flesh. Okay? So in that language, that's what it looks like. So just as a backdrop, in the thousand years, the Antichrist is removed. Now, if you keep going to Revelation 20, Kevin, then what you're going to see is an angel comes down. And what does he do? He has a key. He comes down with a key to the abyss and a great chain in his hand. He sees the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan. Okay, same guy. And he bound up Satan for a thousand years. So the Antichrist is in hell. And Satan, Tom, now where's Satan? He's bound. He is bound into a language called the abyss. He's not in yes. hell. The Antichrist is. The Antichrist is done. Not even an option anymore. The Satan is in a holding tank for a thousand years. Okay. That's where he is. I think you just, as a backdrop. Okay. Now, because Satan is in the abyss, Tom, does that imply though that people still can't, can they sin? Yes. People can still sin. That's the, that's one of the important elements of this thousand years. That's right. So sin is still around. The world is still around. Flesh is still around. It's not perfect. The thousand years is not perfect. Got to understand that language. Now, in all of this, Jesus, praise God, is still king. Revelation 19, he comes. He kicks some butt. Some of these guys are thrown one way. Some are thrown another way. And Jesus is now king over all of the thousand years. Jesus is king. Praise God. We know this is his kingdom. Okay, get him. Just summarizing what we talked about last week. Now in this, Jesus is also the refuge. I'm not going to write everything down. Do you remember for the thousand years, it says that in Zechariah 14, that they are to celebrate the festival of booths. It's the seventh festival, the festival of tabernacles. So basically they're recognizing they are with the presence of God for a thousand years. Right? Because they're celebrating the Festival of Tabernacles. It's when God brought the Israelites out of the wilderness, right? And so today they still do this. They actually put up these little booths on their apartment paddings, on the landings, out on the sidewalks. They're everywhere in that season. This whole thousand years, if you said to a Jew, you're going to celebrate the Festival of Tabernacles for a thousand years, they would believe it because of the Old Testament in Zechariah. So Jesus is going to be the refuge, He is with them in their presence. Now, at the same time, saints are going to rule and reign. Okay? Saints are going to actually rule and reign, so saints are here. Now, who are these saints, Tom? You got any thoughts? Well, there's a lot of different thoughts, but they're basically the believers, the ones who are left, who are there with Christ, and, you know, that whole imagery and language in Scripture of we will reign with Him, yep. It's here. It's here. The dead will rise first and those that are alive. We're not going to get into all the rapture language. I'm just saying the dead will rise first. Those believers are here. Anybody that believed Christ dead or then if they want to say still alive, however you want to use that language, they get to hang out here. So all of us, if you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection, you get to hang out together for a thousand years. It's not heaven, though. We get that language confused. This is a thousand year period. How do we know? Because Satan is still alive. He's just bound up with the chain in the abyss. Antichrist is out of the picture. But the saints, you and I, this is what I'm excited about. Well, what are we going to be doing? I mean, what are we going to do for a thousand years? We're going to talk about that today. 
Okay, we're going to talk about the fact. What do you get to do? What do we get to do? Get to run an Ace Hardware for a thousand years. I don't know. We'll talk about some of those things. Like, okay, the saints are going to rule and reign. Now, this is also a prophetic fulfillment. We talked about this last, last week. The kingdom that Christ is going to fulfill was prophesied all throughout the Old Testament. The son of David will rule and reign forever. Like, this is the beginning stages. Now, I want to make sure everybody's understand something. This then leads to the new heaven and the new earth. This is not this. The new heaven and new earth is not the thousand years. What we think when Christ comes back, I'm just stereotyping, but I, what I feel like I sense overall is that when, when uh, Christ comes back on the second coming, I think we automatically think it's this. There's a thousand year period in between. Why? Why not just jump to the end? Let's just clean house. I think you'll see why. There's a couple of moments. Couple. Now, in this, we have to say, well, who are the saints? This is one of our points. Are they, who are the survivors? Do you remember this language? Who are the survivors that are coming in? Now, okay, we already know the saints are going to be there, but there is language of survivors. Remember this? It said in Zechariah 14, 16, those that were against Jerusalem, do you remember this? Are then going to be wanting, it says this in Zechariah 14, 16, then all the survivors from the nations that came against Jerusalem. Well, that's, that's Megiddo. That's the Valley of, of Armageddon, right? Those that came against, those that survived that battle, it says that they will go up year after year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to celebrate the festival of boots. So at some point, there's a survival mentality, and they're coming in. The argument is, are they non-believers that made it in, or are they descendants of the saints that are here? It's all squirrely. I'm not going to hang my hat on one or the other. It's not that important to me, but I do want to point it out, that there will be people coming through. Who are they? Yes. Now, in this, in this, it's important to understand Jesus is going to rule the thousand years with a rod. Why? Because there's still sin around. I'm going to talk about this, but this is your, this is your backdrop. This is your setup for us to learn more characteristics. Last week, I think we covered nine characteristics. We've got a whole lot more to go. Now, let's begin this process. So hopefully... Uh, this makes sense. So I want to go to number, uh, number 10. What's a characteristic of the millennium? It's actually an answer to prayer. I never saw this until studying this. Kevin, can you do me a favor? Can you go to Matthew 6, 9 through 13? The Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. Do you realize Jesus taught his disciples how to pray? It was all a setup for the millennium. Matthew 6, verse 9, it says, Therefore you should pray like this, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I need you to come down and bring it here. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I actually think this is a prayer that's a setup for what it's going to look like. It's simple. Don't take it too far. You're like, well, I think it's for today. Yes, yes. 
Yes. It's the already, but not yet. I think you see that in this prayer. Another layer that you can see here is that in the thousand years, okay, in the thousand years, you can guarantee you will see peace. Jesus is going to rule with a rod, but it's never an issue of who's in control anymore. Got a plethora of verses just to start supporting these efforts. Micah 4, verse 4, what you're going to see is the beginning imagery. Remember, this is a minor prophet, and he says in Micah 4, verse 4, but each man will sit under his grapevine and under his fig tree with no one to frighten him. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has promised this. Does that, does that make sense to you? There's a period of peace. Another language, another imagery that you're going to see, and we've, we've referenced this a little bit the last couple weeks, is Isaiah 19. Isaiah 19, 22 through 25. Now, this language will throw everybody off, but it's, it's, a, man, it's a powerful picture. It says, the Lord will strike Egypt, striking and healing. Then they will return to the Lord, and he will hear their prayers and heal them. On that day, there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria. Assyria will go to Egypt, Egypt to Assyria, and Egypt will worship with Assyria. On that day, Israel will form a triple alliance with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing within the land. The, the, the enemies that are always against Israel, it's done. Look at, in verse 25, the Lord of hosts will bless them, saying, Egypt, my people. When's the last time you've heard that? Assyria, my handiwork, and Israel, my inheritance, are blessed. You will see a period of peace even amidst the nations. Tom, you got something? Oh, it, it's two things. The, the aspect of peace in the millennium Satan tries to mimic that in the three and a half years of the tribulation. He always tries to mimic yeah. what God is really going to do. But also notice it's a precursor. And this whole aspect of Egypt and Assyria, mm -hmm. in the ancient world, every time Egypt wanted to conquer the rest of the world, they had to go through Jerusalem. Sure. That was the route. And it always was you know, destroying everything in its path to go attack Assyria. Right. Assyria, when they wanted to and assert themselves, they came again through Jerusalem to attack Egypt. That was a sign of war. Here, God turns it on its head and establishes peace. It's done. Amazing. Great image, Tom. Isaiah 2, verse 4. This is going to all sound very similar language, but I want you to see what's to come. And when you start looking through the lens of millennium and peace, it's everywhere. He will settle disputes among the nations and provide arbitration for many peoples. Look what they'll do. They will turn their swords into plows and their spears into pruning knives. Nations will not take up the sword against other nations and they will never again train for war. Do you remember right before the battle? They did the opposite. You remember that? They were grabbing every kind of kitchen utensil and out in the barn and they're grabbing all of this stuff and they're making them into, into war. Now he says, that'll never happen again. Now, you can play the game theologically. Hey, but this is Isaiah talking about a diff, uh, period of time. Yes, these prophetic words, you guys, are always for the already, but yet to come. So in this, you're not going to see nations ever again in that context. In this thousand-year period. Isaiah 35, verse 5 through 6. This fits inside peace. This could have its own category, to be honest. This is the I-35, if you've ever heard language like this. 
Isaiah 35, 5 uh, through 6, it just says, Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, then the lame will leap like a deer, the tongue of the mute will sing for joy, for water will gush in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Maybe we'll get to it next week. I'm going to talk about that right there, the streams in the desert. In the thousand years, you're going to see like ridiculous abundance of growth, actual growth, vegetation, the water is going to flow. That's how we know what we're talking about in the millennium. So yeah, this doesn't really fit the piece, but to me, when I think of streams in the desert, I'm like, ah, this is, this is good. Uh, Isaiah 65, verse 19. This is probably the most scripture you're going to see in these points. Isaiah 65, verse 19. Now, uh, again, describing the thousand years. Satan is in the abyss. The Antichrist is gone. The saints are here. We're still not talking about what we're doing yet. Isaiah 65, 19 says, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will no longer be heard in her. The company Kleenex will no longer have a business. There's no more tissues. There's no more crying. I'm not even sponsored by them. <laughs> Kevin, what do you got? Yeah. You know, yeah. Isaiah's writing this at a time the nation's divided, but they're still yeah. living in Jerusalem. They, yeah. they don't have, this is. This is so beyond them. Yeah. It is. So in this period of time, just as a side note, uh, there's no crying. Now, don't be deceived. There is death. Isaiah 65, verse 25. says, the wolf and the lamb will do what? They'll feed together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. Interesting enough, but the serpent's food will be dust. That's a, another whole prophetic picture. But here you have the wolf and the lamb at peace. Even the animals are at peace. The millennium impacts animals. Okay, period of peace. One, one more supporting text here. Uh, now let's just keep going. All right, we're going to keep going. Number 12, what are we going to be doing? Well, it determines on what we've done here on earth. I'm going to give you a couple scripture verses. Matthew 16, verse 27. Matthew 16, verse 27. Okay, Matthew 16, verse 27 says, For the Son of Man, Jesus, He's going to come. We, this is that image, you guys, of Revelation 19. He's going to come, and He's coming with who? His angels in the glory of His Father. And what is He going to do? Then He will reward each according to what He has done. Well, if you have a theology that it's works-based, you always are living in fear of like, I can't do enough, I can't do enough, I can't do enough. But if you know the scriptures, you're saying, oh, no, he's coming to, to let me know what I've done so I can live it out. This is not a, a, a religion that says you have good and you have bad and your good better outweigh your bad. That's not what we're talking about. That's a false religion. Did you know that's every religion but Christianity? I don't care how you label it, whether it's Islam, Buddhist, Hindu, atheist, agnostic, Judaism. All of that is based on works except through Christ. But Christ is now going to say, oh, good, I see David covered in the blood because he believes in the Messiah. And I want to say, I'm going to reward you based on what you did in Richardson, Texas. I don't know why we play games and think it doesn't matter. It totally does. 
The reason I think most people don't buy this is they don't know the word. We're so just going into milk, we got to get into meat. And once you're into the meat, you're wanting to go and advance the kingdom of God now. And it says, the Son of Man is coming to reward each according to what he has done. Let's just jump to Revelation 22, 12. Revelation 22, 12. Sometimes I wonder how he would label your church or my church. I'm talking about where we're at located wise. In Revelation 22, 12, it says, look, I'm coming quickly. Now, now we're talking the language of Christ. And my reward is with me to repay each person according to what he has done. If you understand the thousand years, this makes sense. I'm coming quickly. And I'm going to give you based on what you've done. Now, Here's the beautiful part. You can start today. Because of your faith in Jesus Christ, ask. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. Jesus says, I have to leave so the Spirit can come, and you're going to do greater things than me. That's not my words. That's His. He wants you to walk this thing out. I think it's the craziest game plan. Hey, by the way, I'm going to leave it up to you guys and us. (laughs) And now you get why He wants to reward you. My wife and I have, Laura and I have four kids. I have no problem saying every once in a while we say, hey, you want $5 to do that? Want a pair of shoes if you do that? Is that bad parenting? No, it's just Jesus' model for the millennium. (laughs) Okay? I mean, I think that's how this works. Just don't. (laughs) Laura, this is, it works. All I'm just saying is, is that he is coming to reward you based on what you've given. Here's where we miss the point because you're talking millennium. Notice it's investing in the millennium. That's where the rewards come. Here's the parable of the talents, but we think too many times, well, it's right here and now. Amen. And, and, we, and that's, then Satan loves to play with our mind and twist it. Amen. And it's like, no, it's, it's about kingdom and it's... It's not to do to get for me. It's to do to get for the kingdom. Amen. I want to read something. Tim Tesh is online and he says something. We're not, uh, he says, we're saved by grace. We're not saved by good works. But look what he writes. He says, but we're saved for good works. Ephesians 2.10. Absolutely. That's totally the dialogue. That's totally the language. And you want to know why we move of God? We need a move of God because we don't realize what we've been given. So these are some of the characteristics. It's an answer to prayer. It's always a precursor. Peace. You're going to see that. You're going to see rewards based on there. Here's the interesting thing. Uh, Number 13 is that you're going to see long lives. Isaiah 65, verse uh, 20, it says, In her, a nursing infant will no longer live only a few days. Or an old man will not live out his days. What is that implying? Life is going to continue on. Indeed, the youth will die at a hundred years, and the one who misses a hundred years will be cursed. So, I'm going to get into this. The long lives are there in your faith in Christ. Some of the other characteristics, but when there's rebellion and there's deception, you will fall. 
you will not see the long life. So death does occur in the millennium. Okay? Death does occur in the millennium. Uh, Isaiah 65, verse 22, Kevin. Isaiah 65, verse 22, it says, They will not... yeah, I'll read this. They will not build and others live in them. They will not plant and others eat. Look at this. For my people's lives will be like the lifetime of a tree. Well, which tree? That's what I think. <laughs> but I don't think it's one of the trees that you just planted. I think it's a tree. The, em- the emphasis is it's going to grow on for a really long time. You have these long lives. Isaiah 65 verse 23 says, They will not labor without success or bear children destined or for disaster. They will be a people blessed by the Lord along with their descendants. You will see children, a child bear, childbearing, and it will sustain itself. So you're going to see death in the millennium, but apparently you're going to see birth. Yep. Now, let me clear up something. Uh, If you have a resurrected body, you're a saint, okay? You have a resurrected body. You are not having children. Just making sure everybody's clear, okay? This is for those that are surviving, those that are turning to the Lord, either way you look at it. It's for those that still have their earthly bodies. So there's birth, there's death. If there's birth, I'm going to just state the obvious, there's sexual relations. They are normal human functions that are taking place in the thousand years. But yet then there's the resurrected bodies, the saints. They're not participating in those things. Okay? Kind of a weird picture, isn't it? Of like resurrected people, earthly people, little babies. But yes. Okay. It is important. All right, let's keep going. This might be my favorite one. We'll see if you... Get excited like I do. Okay, number 14, what you have is what we call training nations. Okay, now remember, uh, Kevin, if you would, let's just go to that text first. Go to Isaiah 2, 1, 2, and 3. Isaiah 2, 1, 2, and 3. Uh, Robert Lee, this is the one that I just like. I'm done. I'm done studying. I'm going to just shout outside. I get so excited. The vision that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the last days. It says, uh, the mountain of the Lord's house will be established at the top of the mountains and uh, will be raised above the hills. All nations will stream to it. All the nations are going to be drawn to this place. And many peoples will come and say, come, come. Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us about his ways so that we may walk in his paths. For instruction will go out of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So look at this. In the millennium, the nations are going to flood Jerusalem. And in that, they are going to say, teach us your ways. So Jerusalem becomes this training center, this epicenter of who God is, who Christ is, and then go back out. That's incredible. 
And by the way, go back to Zephaniah, uh, Zeph Zephaniah, Zephaniah 8. It might be Zechariah. Go to Zechariah 8. Yeah. Zechariah 8, Kevin, verse 20 through 23. Here's a little bit of a picture of this, okay? Zechariah 8, 20 through 23. So the nations, right, are coming to Jerusalem and they're saying, teach us, right? Zechariah 8, 20 says, the Lord of the host says this, peoples will yet come, the residents of many cities, the residents of one city will go to another saying, let's go at once to plead for the Lord's favor and to seek the Lord of hosts. I'm also going. I'm in. Many peoples and strong nations will what? Come to seek the Lord of hosts. Where? In Jerusalem. And to plead for the Lord's favor. Now watch verse 23. The Lord of the host says this. In those days, 10 men from nations of every language. What are they going to do? They're going to grab a hold of a Jewish man and they're going to hang on tight. Can you imagine 10 men hanging on to one Jewish man? Does nobody else see that visual? I think it's weird. But they're going to hang on and they're going to say, let us go with us because we know God is with you. In the Old Testament, it leads to the New Testament. And scripture says the Gentiles are going to make the Jews jealous. But in the millennium, they're going to be drawn to the Jews. Why? Because Jesus is with them. So then the Gentiles that don't know him are going to be saying, I'm with you because I see favor. So yeah, there's going to be a whole lot of the training of the nations. And, and guess what? The Jews are going to be a part of it. These aren't like boom, 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 boom. You get that, right? I got the numbers. I should just put asterisks. But they're not like, okay, this has to go to this one. This one has to go to this Don't think of it like that. I'm just trying to give you an image here. The reason I say that is because number 15, and by the way, David Jeremiah is a great resource for some of these things. Uh, IHOP, International House of Prayer in Kansas City, is another great resource for some of these. So none of this is ever my stuff, by the way. It's just taking time to say, Lord, what's in Scripture and what does it look like? This one, I never thought about, but then when I started studying it, I was like, oh, that makes sense. In the thousand years, you're going to see restoration of the cities. Isaiah 65, 21. Go to verse 21, if you would, Kevin. People will build houses and live in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They will not build and others live in them. They will not plant and others eat. For my people's lives will be like the lifetime of a tree. So we're, we're talking about, remember the long lives now. My chosen ones will fully enjoy what? The work of their hands. They will not labor without success. So if you're bad at building, not here. If you can't grow anything in your backyard, not here. You know? They won't, they won't labor without success or bear children destined for disaster. It's all going to work. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord along with their descendants. Even before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. And then we, we read this already in verse 25. The wolf and the lamb will right, feed together. There you have the peace. So in the process of restoring cities, you're going to see houses built, vineyards established, and labor is going to take place. And it will be fun. I'm going to generalize this one on, on Isaiah 11, 1 through 9. You're going to see God's order be reestablished. We already talked about this. That's why I was looking through this. It talks about the, the lion or the lion and the lamb or the wolf and the lamb. Is it the lion? Lion and the lamb coming together. You're going to see restoration in the land. Like the cow and the bear will graze in verse 7. A bear grazing the land? Cow? Their young ones will lie down together. 
you're going to see the agricultural things coming together, the animals coming together. I mean, it says in verse 7, the lion will eat straw like the ox. And just as a precursor, maybe to next week, the land is going to flow with milk and honey. <laughs> Everything in the Old Testament says, this is the land. Only two people believe that, right, out of the spies? But everybody's going to experience the land flowing with milk and honey here in 16. And obviously, this is the restoration. This is the festival of the booths. We are experiencing God's presence, and nothing's going to disturb the land. Why? Because he's ruling with a rod. He's restoring it all. It's like one big year of Jubilee. You talk, you're targeting verse 11? Uh, you can. Uh, of Isaiah 11? Yeah, Isaiah 11, uh, 11. Really, yeah, that's good. Isaiah 11, verse, we'll start in 9. None will harm or destroy another on my entire holy mountain. <laughs> For the land will be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the sea is filled with water. You have another verse for that? Yeah, yeah. Verse 11. You can go to Isaiah 11. Go to 11. Isaiah 11, 11. On that day, the Lord will yeah. extend his hand a Thank second you. time to recover from Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and the coasts and the islands of the west. See, all the islands and the coasts, everything. He's going to recover them all. Awesome. So there's, there was your restart of the land. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Uh, businesses will be established. Zechariah 14, 12 through 15. You have to understand something in this context, okay? Zechariah 14 says, this will be the plague the Lord strikes against uh, all the peoples with who have warred against Jerusalem, right? So the plague's coming. Their flesh will rot while they stand on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets, sorry, and their tongues will rot in their mouths. These are the nations. The judgment's coming against the nations. On a day, on that day, a great panic from the Lord will be among them, so that each will seize the hand of another, and the hand of one will rise against the other. Judah will also fight at Jerusalem. And the wealth of what? All of the surrounding nations will be collected. Gold, silver, and clothing in great abundance. Now, here's why you say, well, that's not a business. No, but guess what happens? They now have a place to start. All of the abundance, even if you get into verse 15, that same plague as the previous one will strike. Uh, well, let's just, I don't, we need to, I don't want to go into time on that one. The point is this. They're starting off in the millennium with, remember, they didn't have anything. Now they have everything. So then in this, Kevin, uh, just, I want you to write down Isaiah 60, 1 through 14. You don't have to go there, Kevin. But prosperity will take place in Israel because of the abundance that they have. You guys, people are what? They're building. People are having kids. People are building vineyards. Things have to move forward. Am I right? And based on what you did here, God's going to reward you there, and then you can rule and reign in that place. There's people coming and going. It's still a lifestyle. So you will still see those things. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to fly through these points in 18. Number, my, my 18th point is that in this, you have to still remember, nations will be punished. Uh, I like IHOP uh, referenced this point here. Zechariah 14, 16 through 17. It says this, uh, 16, Kevin, that all the survivors from the nations, remember that came up against Jerusalem, will go up year after year to worship the king. 
the Lord of hosts and to celebrate the festival of Zechariah, right? So we know that those have said, now I'm going to come back and worship. But watch this. Should any of the families of the earth not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, rain will not fall on them. Okay, fine. In the thousand years, you want to play the game? You don't want to come to Jerusalem? You will experience punishment as a collective group. Everybody with me? Part of the millennium. If you choose not to grab a hold of the Jew and run, follow him, say, you got favor, rain is not coming to you. You will see nations being punished. And at the same time, you will also see individuals be punished. Zechariah 13, verse 3. Individuals will also be punished. Thanks for hanging in here. I am almost done. There's a lot of points with the millennium. If a man still prophesies, his father and his mother will bore him, will say to him, you cannot remain alive because you have spoken falsely in the name of Yahweh. When he prophesies, his father and his mother who bore him will pierce him through. This is all foreshadow already, but not yet. So if you choose to do this, nations will be corporately punished and so will individuals. Tommy, anything into that? both with nations and individuals, you see that free will still exists. You You have a choice, and God is just saying, this is what you need to do. You can choose, but here are the consequences when you choose poorly. Not only is there rebellion, but there will be deception. Revelation 27 through 10, if you would, please. It says, when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison, and look what he's going to do. He's going to go out and deceive the nations at the end of the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. So at the end of a thousand years, guess what happens? Satan is released. And what is his job? To bring one last deception. One last deception until he says, I'm going to gather everybody for battle. Everybody thought there was a battle for Armageddon. There's a second battle, you guys. Christ comes back in Revelation 19. We've read it. It's pretty clear. There's a bloodbath that takes 180 miles. And then there's a thousand years where we rule and reign. And next thing you know, people are living their lives again. Resurrected bodies and earthly bodies. And in that process, rebellion takes place and Satan is released right here. It says for a period of time so he can go deceive all of the nations that refuse to come back to Jerusalem. And it says he's going to gather them for a battle. The number is like the sand of the sea. They came up over the surface of the earth and surrounded the encampment of the saints, the beloved city. We got another battle. Thousand years. Here we go again. Then the fire, praise God. This is this is. It's not really a battle. (laughs) Then fire came down from heaven and consumed them. The devil who deceived them, right? Because he had a key. He He was released from the abyss. Now the devil who deceived the rebellious was thrown into the lake of fire, hell and sulfur, where the beast and the prophet, they already are. Hey, what's up? And they'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. So at the end of a thousand years, Satan is released. You have another battle. And you have Gog and Magog all over again. 
And then in that process, guess what? Satan is finally thrown into hell. <laughs> it has a lot, but you made it. Uh, to me, by the way, you have nothing to worry about here because of your faith in his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus is Lord of our lives here and in the thousand years and in the new heaven and new earth. Amen. And so this is just a picture of what's to come.